Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot, and the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. And we're live and underway here on this Thursday edition of the program. Glad to have you with us as we begin the show today. Complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's look at the show lineup for this Thursday. A service of Honeybake Tam in New Albany. Segment one, news and notes of the day. And uh, Deshaun Harris-Smith uh, has committed to Maryland as expected. So we'll talk about that coming up here in just a moment. Some other notes as well here in the opening segment. Later in the hour, it's Thursday, so Alex Bozich of Inst- Side the hall, excuse me, joins us as we talk the very latest with IU basketball. We'll get into recruiting, but you know, I read a story yesterday from the Athletic about IU for the upcoming season, and I think it might be um, exactly what I agree with as far as this team goes this season. This team can be really good if they figure out how to shoot the basketball. Uh, obviously, they've got all the weapons needed, the returning players, the upperclassmen, uh, the new faces, the big men in the, uh, the in the post, the perimeter players. Uh, on paper, everything looks really good, uh, but I think it comes down to can this team shoot the basketball from the perimeter and from the three at a decent rate? Uh, if so, I think they're going to be very good. So we'll talk with Alex about that and more coming up later today. Also, On this Thursday edition of the program, you know college football season is here because Matt Weaver of Peaks.com is going to be with us to talk IU football, Big Ten football, and with week zero games ahead of us, we'll just talk all college football today with Matt Weaver when he joins us later in the program today. Matt is the football writer for the Peaks site when it comes to IU football uh, no one has the insight like he does, and uh, he'll join us for a pre-game week chat on IU football Illinois game just around the corner. Uh, so an exciting time again. Week zero games get underway very soon, and so uh, that is uh, that's going to be mean for a good weekend, at least a teaser of a weekend uh, for what uh, the future weeks as we get into the fall. And the college football season uh, will look like for us. All right, that's the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service is still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Also, uh, your daily reminder that the Thornton's text line is open. Your questions and comments, it doesn't just have to be Indiana uh, basketball, football. It can be anything for any of our guests or anything you want to say, uh, high school football, 
local stuff, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Appreciate your input. And it's Summer Cash Bash still at Thornton's. Each week, one lucky Refreshing Rewards member will win $10,000 all summer long with a grand prize of a 2022 Chevy Tahoe. Simply open your Refreshing Rewards app and click on the Summer Cash Bash icon to enter. And that's not all. You can earn additional entries by purchasing select top brands like Mountain Dew 20-ounce bottles, hot dogs, Bud Light 12-packs, large Doritos, and many more using your Refreshing Rewards card. It's Thornton Summer Cash Bash, not a Refreshing Rewards member. Text REWARDS to 80313 today. All right, let's get into some news and notes of the day. Uh, First off, uh, it is now official. Deshaun Harris-Smith, the latest 2023 target to spurn Indiana and commit to another school that was recruiting him. Uh, Again, just to kind of recap the uh, uh, Indiana-Harris-Smith relationship, uh, uh, Indiana started watching him very closely early in July. After that first evaluation period, Indiana offered a scholarship He appeared to have a lot of interest as soon as the July period was over. uh, He quickly made his way to Bloomington for a visit. There was a lot of rumblings that he really liked Indiana, that he really liked the coaching staff. But uh, as time has went on over the last month or so, he seems like so many of these latest 2023 prospects to have kind of trended away from IU for whatever reason. And he committed yesterday to Maryland, so another player off the board that Indiana is recruiting in the 2023 class. And really with with, uh, Harris Smith, Deshaun Harris Smith off uh, to Maryland, uh, it's one player left as far as a serious target that we are aware of, and his name is Arrington Page. And Indiana seems to be in good shape with him, but again, no decision yet or anything like that from Arrington Page. So again, it's it's not the end of the world. Indiana has done a great job in this 2023 class early on with Gabe Cups and also Newton uh, from down in Georgia. So they got a really early start, which is something we haven't always seen Indiana do uh, in recent seasons. But uh, that helps them. And of course, with the transfer portal, I hate to say it, but you could be sitting here in August as we get ready for September and in a worst-case scenario have no commitments in the class, and it's really not the end of the world if you strike out or you just don't get what you need from a positional situation, whatever the case could be, because the transfer portal, as we talk about regularly, it's completely changed college basketball, and it is completely, uh, absolutely completely changed uh, high school recruiting, and gosh, it's just uh, become a lot uh, different of a situation, and I think a lot tougher for high school student-athletes uh, to get maybe the attention from Division One schools that they deserve uh, because the portal opens up so many options where a coach can go pluck an experienced player, somebody that played, if you're at a mid-major, maybe a higher level than them, or if you're at a mid-major, played at a, or if you're at a high major, they played at a mid-major, were a star, and have showed that they could probably elevate their game to that level. So Uh, Very interesting times in recruiting, and it's all because of the transfer portal. But with that said, Deshaun Harris-Smith is headed to Maryland. Uh, Maryland has grabbed a couple IU prospects recently, Jamie Kaiser and now Harris-Smith, and so Indiana will see these guys 
uh, in the coming years in a Terrapins uniform uh, as Harris Smith committed to Maryland yesterday. Also, this note has nothing to do with Indiana, but uh, Oklahoma City Thunder, former Gonzaga star and seven-footer Chet Holmgren will miss the upcoming NBA season with a pretty severe injury to his right foot. And I mention this because Holmgren, who was the number two pick in the draft back in June or July, uh, suffered the injury in a pro-am game uh, in Seattle on Saturday. So this is an exhibition game, a summer league game, whatever you want to call it. And I've had people ask me recently, gosh, you know, the Fan Fest was great on Saturday. It was great to get the autographs and for my kids to meet the players. These are the comments I've heard from people. But why is the scrimmage only eight minutes long? Why, why are these guys not getting a full run? We know they're playing on campus. There's always risk of injury, and that's true. But I point to this situation with Holmgren uh, as, as a reason probably that the IU coaches and others are locked down on things. Uh, and, of course, who's your hysteria? You hear the same thing over and over again. It was a great event. Indiana's done added some technology to the event to make it even cooler for the fans and for the kids especially. But, you know, why don't they scrimmage? Or why don't they scrimmage more or longer? Why don't they play an actual exhibition game against each other? Well, I point to these kind of situations as reasons uh, why that probably doesn't happen on a regular basis. In fact, if you look across some of the teams that are playing or have played this summer uh, in these uh, foreign tours overseas, uh, a lot of guys coming back from injuries or players that are questionable uh, on their health, they've, they've not been playing them. And so, again, I think it, it just maybe helps you understand and, and helps me remember that it's not all about what we want right now in one of these NIL events or the Hoosier Hysteria-like events that will take place once we get into October, uh, but it's more about health for the actual season, for the upcoming regular season. And so uh, seeing that Holmgren news uh, come across my phone last night just makes you cringe. It doesn't matter who the player is or who the team is, college or professional. Uh, you hate to see anybody's season uh, be over with because of an off-season injury. It's one thing to get hurt during the season. That's never good. Uh, you lose somebody for the whole year, that's not good for anybody. But uh, to lose them in a pro-am game uh, in August for the upcoming NBA season is pretty tough. High school football week three coming up. I gave you my thoughts on all of the games Tuesday, and then Josh Cook of the News and Tribune was with us on our Wednesday program uh, to break down the Week 2 action. The big game is Charlestown at Brownstown. Uh, the Pirates uh, with a big win over Silver Creek last week, and this is the toughest game, I think, by far on their schedule. Uh, if the Pirates can win on Friday, even though we're sitting in Week 2 and not yet even to September, I think Charlestown will win the Mid-Southern Conference. I also think uh, that Charlestown can run the table if they win this game at Brownstown on Friday. So Chad Gilbert, the AD at Charlestown, he had a run, wonderful crowd on Monday for the uh, or on last Friday, I should say, for the um, Silver Creek at Charlestown game. He was telling us about that on Monday when he joined our program. Uh, however, I think the Charlestown at Brownstown crowd on Friday 
will be absolutely amazing as well. A lot of excitement in both of those programs. Brownstown always has great crowds for their high school sports. It's, I think, one of the absolute example communities here in southern Indiana where uh, their sports really, really do matter. And that's all sports across the board. So a good crowd set for that game. And Jason Hawkins, the coach of Charlestown, is going to come on with us tomorrow uh, and preview that game and talk about Charlestown football and the start of the season. So with that said, uh, a big week of high school football. Uh, also in week two, Clarksville is at uh, is at West Washington. Floyd Central, their second week in a row playing a Louisville opponent. They will be at Manuel. Uh, we'll have that game with Justin Kalen on our sister station, 94.7 FM on Friday evening. And probably the, the behind that Charlestown-Brownstown game for me, as far as most interesting, is Jeffersonville. They make their season debut after their week one game was canceled, and they get started in a big way at Seymour, a Hoosier Hills Conference game coming up on Friday night for the Devils. I'm intrigued to see uh, what Coach Parker and this team are all about this year. New Albany, another tough matchup after a loss to Bloomington South in Week 1. They go to Gibson Southern. Providence, who I think is a team to watch in the area as well, they play their second consecutive Kentucky opponent. They take on and, and host Lloyd Memorial uh, actually, excuse me, Providence is idle this week because the Rock uh, Creek game was uh, was uh, canceled. Rock Creek going to eight-man football. The Providence-Lloyd Memorial game is week three uh, on September 2. So Providence is idle this week. And then Silver Creek, they will host Salem on Friday. So that's a look at uh, the high school football schedule for this upcoming Friday night. Some interesting games. It takes me two or three weeks, I'm sure you as well, to get through things and kind of have a feel for the area. But uh, another big week of high school football coming up on Friday night. We'll head to a commercial break. When we come back, Alex Bozich of Inside the Hall joins the program. We'll talk IU basketball. We'll talk recruiting. We'll talk shooting. Uh, If this team can figure it out from a shooting perspective, I think they're going to be really good. Uh, That and more next. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You f***ed it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. And we're back on this Thursday program. The Thornton's text line is open, that number 502-414-1450. If you have a question on IU basketball or a topic on IU basketball for Alex, again, 502-414-1450. Alex Deshaun Harris-Smith off the board, the latest uh, in the class of 2023 to spurn uh, serious interest from the Hoosiers. He's going to go to Maryland, he announced yesterday. So Indiana, outside of Arrington Page, is back to the drawing board, or maybe we should say the transfer portal, uh, when it comes to filling out this 2023 class. Yeah, Matt, not exactly surprising that he would choose to go to Maryland that basically where everything uh, seemed to be trending the last couple weeks. Uh, Indiana obviously had him on campus for uh, an official visit, and it seemed like there was a mutual interest, but 
shortly after the visit, uh, it seemed like it wasn't definitely going to work out from the IU side of things. And um, I think for him, being able to stay close to home, and uh, that was the, the, the main draw for him. And uh, hard, to, hard to fault him for that. But in terms of moving forward, how this impacts Indiana, you mentioned Ayrton Page. Um, I think it's going to come down to probably a springtime situation where Indiana's going to have to look for some guys maybe that reopen after coaching changes or going into the transfer portal. Uh, and that's, um, I think the success uh, for that's going to be largely dependent, <laughs> excuse me, on the, the, the season that they have this, this year and how successful they're able to be uh, in terms of winning. If they, if they go out and have a really good year, I think they have a chance to probably next spring pick up some, some impact guys. So not necessarily the best uh, performance in terms of recruiting 2023 wise. I mean, I, there was a lot of people that were optimistic early getting those two early commitments. And there was a ton of guys that seemed like Indiana was in the mix for, but so far they've, they've really struck out uh, this summer uh, and they really need to probably get Aronson page uh, to, to really make people feel like this recruiting cycle was a success going into the fall. Alex Bozich inside the hall, my guest. Alex, it's so hard to know this nowadays with the transfer portal, but uh, how many players with Indiana having two already committed back uh, near the end of 2021? That's a pretty early start. How many uh, does Indiana need in this class? Is is a three-man class work out with scholarship numbers? And again, I know it's really hard to answer that like you would be able to pre the transfer portal. Uh. It's hard to say because you don't necessarily know who's going to be gone uh, next season. Uh, obviously, Ray Thompson, Xavier Johnson, and Miller Cop <laughs> are all definitely gone. Trace Jackson Davis, you would assume, is going to be gone. So that's four right there. So I think they're going to at least need four players. Uh, and obviously, every year they've had some guys transfer out. So I think four is probably the minimum. Uh, and then potentially... Um, if you have some, some players leave, you could be looking at a situation where you have to fill out the roster next spring via the transfer portal. Alex Bozich, InsideTheHall.com. You can also follow him on Twitter, at InsideTheHall, uh, for great coverage of IU basketball. Uh, staying with recruiting for uh, just a moment, uh, you mentioned Arrington Page is the last prospect, really, uh, that we're aware of Indiana's involved with. That doesn't mean, as you mentioned, that there won't be players uh, that decommit because of coaching changes or who knows what the future could hold. Uh, that stuff become, seems to become a, on a more regular basis. But uh, despite not getting the success maybe that they uh, have been looking for with some of these 2023 guys, that has not kept Indiana's coaches uh, and rightfully so for pursuing 24 and 25 guys. When we had you on last time, we spoke a lot about some of the in-state talent that Indiana was jumping on in the 2025 class, but there have been some new offers go out even in this uh, last week or so in the 2024 class. Yeah, and it seems like with with 2024, um, they're being a little bit more aggressive in terms of who they're offering than guys that are more highly ranked, a lot of guys in the top 50 <laughs> and top 25 range. So the fact that they have a little bit more time now to to work on those guys, uh, I, I think ideally uh, you want to be kind of swimming in those waters, so to speak, with the guys who are ranked in the top uh, 50 nationally and, and try to hit on a couple of those because ultimately you look 
Alex Bozich inside the hall. Alex, we're having some problems hearing you there. Everything was fine uh, for a while, so if you could relocate or something, that may help your cell phone signal. Alex Bozich inside the hall with us. He joins on Thursdays as we talk IU basketball and more. Alex, I want to talk next about uh, an athletic uh, website, the athletic story I read recently, uh, kind of their early preview on IU for the upcoming season. And the general gist of the story was this. Indiana has the potential and the players to be really good uh, but based on past seasons and stats, they've got to find a way to be a more effective uh, and successful shooting team if they're going to have the type of season that people think they're capable of having. Uh, I agree completely, whether it's uh, Trace Jackson Davis and Race Thompson back, or whether it's some incoming faces or some young faces that could step up their game and help. I think Indiana's oozing with talent right now. Uh, and I, Putting it all together is a question mark. Can they do so? But the number one thing around this team to me is can they shoot the ball even at just a reasonable clip from the perimeter but specifically from beyond the three-point arc yeah Matt are you hearing me better now yes are we we good okay good sorry about that um I would say from a shooting perspective that's easily the number one thing going into the season right I mean we've talked about that every year going back to when Romeo was on on the team are they going to be able to shoot from the perimeter and the answer has been no now for several straight seasons and we heard last year a lot about the preseason with Mike Woodson that this is going to be a better three-point shooting team they actually took less threes last season I think than they did under Archie Miller so it was not emphasized enough I don't feel like and you look at what they did this offseason what did they really do to address the shooting issues which is the most glaring issue they they brought in TJ Gunn Maybe he can help from that perspective. Jalen hood Shafino, not really uh, regarded <laughs> as a three-point shooter, but he's coming in. We'll see how he does. I think the big X factor here is can Miller Cop make uh, more threes uh, and can Tamar Bates, I think, take a step forward because he's the guy I think has <coughs> uh, some potential there. 
from behind the three-point arc uh, to really step forward. But I, <laughs> I agree with the premise that the shooting has been the most glaring issue. And that's the one thing I have uh, in terms of reservations uh, for the upcoming season that could really hold Indiana back. If they're mostly the, <laughs> the same team, Trace Jackson Davis is better, Race Thompson's better, but they don't have the outside shooting, it, it could be a repeat of previous seasons. It's not to say they can't be a better team, but I feel like you got to be at least in the mid mid to high 30s three-point shooting-wise uh, to be uh, what people are expecting this team to be, which is you know a top 10, top 15 team nationally. And uh, Alex, I know you've been a little under the weather, so we're going to let you go and, and uh, get healthy. But uh, I do want to continue along on the shooting for just a moment. Uh, as, as you think about this roster, who, who are the chief players there uh, that can step up and make a difference in that percentage and help improve that area? Is it a newcomer for you that you're looking at, or is it a returning player that uh, didn't maybe get the shooting opportunities last season or was off of what you think he can be? Who, who are the guys on this roster you think can help elevate uh, shooting this season? I think Cop is one of them, as I mentioned. I think Bates is another. I think more or less it comes down to uh, guys getting the green light to take the shot. I mean, you look at the attempts that Indiana had last year. Uh, there's a stat on Ken Palm that you can look at in terms of three-point attempts uh, as compared to field goal attempts. And Indiana was, I think, uh, in the bottom 10 to 15% of all college basketball. So that tells me that it's not emphasized, really, in terms of shot selection. They're looking to get the ball inside, and obviously that makes a lot of sense with Trace Jackson Davis, but when we heard from Mike Woodson when he got hired, we heard a lot about this NBA-style offense and four out, one in, but we didn't actually really see that. And I think a lot of it comes down to just style of play and putting guys in position uh, to give them the confidence uh, to take and make those shots. It's not something that we really saw, I don't think, a lot of last season. And I think a lot of times um, it's hard for guys to get in a rhythm or get any confidence when they're not really coached to take a lot of three-pointers. So I think it's something that Indiana needs to do more of. I'm not saying they need to become the Golden State Warriors and take 30 or 43 as a game. What I am saying is if you want guys to make three-pointers uh, – in clutch situations and in situations where you really need a big shot, you got to kind of make it a priority in your offense from early in the season, get that confidence. So then later in the year, when you do have those games where you're going to need to make threes to win, I mean, you're not going to, I don't feel like make a deep tournament run, making five or six threes a game. You're going to have to make, you know, nine or 10 uh, a lot of times to win. I mean, it's, it's great that they were able to win a lot of games with defense. And I, I think it's, People have embraced the defense getting to where it needs to be, but you got to be able to score consistently. Uh, and obviously, three is worth more than a two, and I, I just don't think it was emphasized enough. Um, and I think they need to you know, make it a, a bigger priority to take more bridges. But to answer your question, Matt, I would say Tamar Bates and, and Miller Coffin are the two that I look at. With the potential, maybe a C.J. Gunn as a wild card of being guys, I think that can really help in that regard. All right, good stuff. Alex Bozich inside the hall. He's with us Thursdays as we talk IU basketball in-depth here on the program. Alex, thank you. We'll talk again very soon. 
All right, Matt. Thank you. Have a good day. All right. Uh, Alex Bozich with us here on this Thursday edition of the program. We'll talk college football in the next segment. Matt Weaver of Pigs.com is going to join us. We'll dive into some things around IU football. We'll talk about the Big Ten Week Zero games coming up as well. And we'll uh, we'll preview all of it with Matt Weaver, the football writer for Pigs.com here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this and for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach, who got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. And we're back here on this Thursday program. College football is almost here. In fact, uh, week zero football games begin this weekend, and we've got a Big Ten matchup this weekend, Nebraska and Northwestern, uh, and that game will be played over in Dublin, Ireland, to start the college football season uh, and also the Big Ten season as well. So uh, glad to know that college football, in a small way this weekend, will be back on television. Of course, week one the following week is when things get crazy and uh, gets really good. So uh, glad to know. College football is back and uh, underway. Matt Weaver, Peaks.com, with me here in this segment. We're going to talk IU football, Big Ten football, and more. Matt, but uh, let's start with week zero. How excited are you to have some college football on TV this weekend? Uh, yeah, it's it's um, it's weird that it's here. It's it seems like it came fast, and um, it doesn't you know obviously it doesn't feel like football weather outside, but. Um, it's it's great that it's here, and it's, even though there's not you know a, a, as many games as you normally have on a college football weekend, it's just great to to finally see some college football. Yeah, when is the first game? Is there a a Thursday night game on this week zero or no? I don't think anything starts until until Saturday. Okay. Um, yeah, I think all the games are on Saturday. I don't think there's any early games like there are next week. I got gotcha. you. Of course, uh, one game I know that you'll be paying attention to is uh, Northwestern and Nebraska. I mentioned that game coming back from commercial break. That's going to be over in Ireland, but also Illinois plays this weekend against Wyoming. Yeah, they do, and and I think there's actually one other team. I think Western Kentucky might play this weekend. Um, I, I think they got like Austin P or something. So like I believe three of the first like four or five teams that Indiana faces um, on their schedule, I want to say, um, are in action this week, and I could have that wrong. But I know there's some teams playing, obviously. You mentioned Illinois and Nebraska and then Western Kentucky. So um, Indiana will definitely be able to um, you know, get, do a little bit of scouting. And Coach Allen mentioned that this week during a Zoom call, that they're going to sit down and, and watch the games and you know, obviously try to see uh, if what they've been preparing for, especially when it comes to Illinois, what they've been preparing to do and for is, um, has been on point. Yeah, Matt Weaver, Pigs.com. He's the football writer for the Pigs.com website and joins us here during IU football season to talk Hoosiers on the gridiron. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about Indiana. Matt, I was hoping today, uh, the first time you joined us in a while, that uh, you had some inside information that maybe you would share with us about who the IU starting quarterback is going to be. And, of course, I say that tongue-in-cheek because we know that IU knows, the players and coaches know, Coach Allen's decision 
decision on who the starting QB will be. But so far, there has been no leak or no uh, secrets get out, and it really could be uh, not game time, but probably during warm-ups of that uh, Indiana-Illinois game on the field when you can decipher maybe who the starting quarterback will be. Thoughts on keeping it so secret and thoughts on uh, maybe who the starting quarterback would be if you were the boss? Um, you know, I, I get why, why they do it. I mean, you know, why, why give away information if you don't have to? Um, if, you don't, if you don't have to say who your starter is going to be, then it makes Illinois' job a little bit more difficult. They've got to kind of prepare for two guys. Um, you know, not that their games are drastically different, but obviously, you know, you're, you're, there's, you know, every player has their own strengths and weaknesses. So, you know, I understand doing it. I mean, you know, and I, you know, I think obviously you're trying to get every advantage you can if you're Indiana this year after, after last season, you know, maybe if you, if you go eight and four last year instead of two and 10, maybe you're, you know, it's a little bit different, but you know, this is a, this is a huge season for this program. You know, as far as who I would go with, we didn't. We got to see practices this fall and like in the spring. Now we didn't get to see much team stuff, so it was more individual. You know, when they throw to the receivers and tight ends and running backs, and it was all on air. You know, it to me it's a close call. I mean, I one time I'd go to practice and think, okay, maybe Tuttle's should be the guy, and then another time I'd go and, and think it would be. Um, I think Bazelak was the guy. Um, you know, I it's to me it's I think it's a fifty fifty. Uh, based on what I saw, now obviously the coaches saw more, so it was it was obviously not a fifty fifty for them. But based on what we were able to see, it was it was pretty close. I mean, you know, I've always said though that coaches tend to play the guys that they recruit, and obviously out of those two quarterbacks, Connor Bazelak was the one that was recruited by Walt Bell and not Jack Tuttle. But if Jack Tuttle is the better quarterback in practice, then then I expect him to be the starter. So, and we'll see in a week. You know, uh, one one quarterback I do want to mention. I don't think he's going to start this year. Maybe he'll play some, but Dexter Williams, I thought, looked really good. He's a guy who redshirted two years ago and then got hurt last year. Um, ACL injury in spring ball, so he missed the season. But he's a guy that can run and throw. And I think, you know, down the road, he's a guy that really is going to be a factor at quarterback for IU. Yeah, there's a freshman, and getting away from the QB spot, there's a freshman running back, and I've not seen him. Uh, I remember him from high school, but have read some stuff about him leading up to the season. In fact, you guys had something on the pigs.com site, a video about him recently. Uh, but freshman running back Jalen Lucas, I know the coaching staff is very excited about him. He seems like a, a new face, a, a young guy coming in that could really uh, use this year to place himself in the, the hierarchy of the IU football program for future seasons. Yeah, you know, Jalen, you know, like I said, in practice we were kind of limited, but a few times we got to see some, you know, when they went full 11 on 11 and did running plays, and, you know, one day they did perimeter run, which is basically runs all, you know, obviously outside the tackle and kind of out to the perimeter, and that's where he really shows up. His speed and quickness is, is unique, and Indiana, quite honestly, doesn't have anybody like him. Now he needs to get bigger. He's not real big, so he's going to have to be, you know, be careful about how many hits he takes when he's on the field and try to get down or out of bounds as much as he can. But this is a guy that if you can get him the ball, you know, five, six, up to ten times a game, he's got a chance to really break something for you. Um, he's really explosive, really fast and quick, like I said. And um, and the other thing is when you when you watch him is you know sometimes when he would run, even when you're standing on the sideline watching practice, you would lose him behind the lineman. So for defenses, it's going to be tough to pick him up if he can kind of pick his way through and then he just pops out behind the lineman because once he puts his foot in the, in the ground and gets up to fifth gear, he's gone. So it'll be interesting to see how they use him. I would think you try to get him up in space as much as possible, especially you know outside the tackles where there's not as much pounding. 
Um, but he's an exciting player, and I think he's definitely going to be one of the freshmen that, that sees significant playing time this fall. Any other freshmen you expect to get a pretty decent run this <clears throat> season or you're kind of watching with uh, anticipation? Well, I think Desan McCall is another one. And obviously, not just because he was ranked high, but this is a guy that brings something to Indiana that they need, and that, that's explosiveness off the edge. Now, he's playing he's, – he's, he's recruited to play Stinger linebacker, which is the spot Cam Jones plays. But on certain situations, passing-type situations, he's going to move up to the ball, which is that kind of edge rusher, um, you know, on the, on, the, on the end of the IU's defense, <clears throat> excuse me, defensive line. And, and, and what we've seen, this is a guy, Desan's got great length. I mean, he's a legit 6'4", maybe 6'5", long arms, um, and he's really explosive, can get off the ball. Um, and he's the kind of guy that, you know, this is what they need. This defense has had trouble, even when they were, you know, good a couple years ago of rushing the passer without blitzing. And if you can get to the quarterback with just four guys, um, that really obviously makes it much easier on the rest of the defense. If you got to keep sending people, then somebody's, you know, in a man coverage or by themselves. So, you know, any help they can get from that front four, and I think Desan's going to help him, especially when he moves to that position on, uh, you know, maybe third downs or any kind of a passing down. And then, you know, I think Dominic James, uh, the defensive tackle who enrolled in January, he's from out of IMG. He's a guy that they've mentioned that um, I think they expect him to play. So, you know, that's the position where they brought in some transfers, but he is a really talented guy. And I've always thought he was a guy that could, that could play right away. And then I think you'll see some freshmen play probably on special teams, uh, you know, either cover units or return units or stuff like that. But those three guys right now kind of stand out to me as the guys that, um, you know, I think will play early. And then later on, you may see some guys, Omar Cooper, receiver from Lawrence Norris. Um, he's a guy that's really come on in camp. You know, Co- Coach Allen called him. He thinks he's going to be special. So it's another guy to keep an eye on. But those those three I mentioned are the ones that I think are I feel most confident saying will play this fall. All right, Matt Weaver, dot com with us with uh, good stuff on IU football here in advance of the uh, season opening game. Matt, let's talk a little bit uh, about the well, uh, the Big Ten Conference. I also want to ask this, and and I brought this up yesterday uh, on the show with with Dustin, but. For an opening game against a Big Ten Conference opponent, I think it just has a different feel, a feel of much more importance, and even more so for Indiana because as you go through the schedule and uh, try to count up wins and try to count up what the situation could be like for IU's bowl eligibility, it's hard for me, looking from the outside in, to find a legitimate path to a bowl game, to bowl eligibility for Indiana without winning this Illinois game. So uh, how important is this game? Obviously it's huge, and is this one of the most important games uh, Indiana's had to start the season as far as uh, the future and bowl eligibility goes in a number of years? You know, I, I don't know if I've said on your show, but I know i said it in the past, uh, you know, leading up in the, in the offseason, that I think this is as big of a game in Indiana football history as there's been and maybe since I've been covering the team and people can say that's weird because they played in some bowl games and they've had some games where they were five and six and needed to win to go to a bowl to, to make a bowl. But after I say that because after last season, this, this program really needs a bounce back. They, they need to get back on the right track. And it, I think I'm, I'm with you. If you lose Illinois, finding six wins is really hard. I mean, even if you beat Illinois, six wins is no walk in the park, but you're at least, I think you'll be halfway there after the next two weeks. I think you start 3-0, and and then you've got nine games to get three more wins. And, and it won't be easy, but there are some games out there where that if you play well, you can get, you can get some wins. Um, but if you lose Illinois, it really is going to be tough. It's going to be really tough. And, you know, obviously, ideally, it'd be nice if you could maybe start with Idaho and then play Illinois in week two 
just to get some of the kinks out because obviously you got a new offensive coordinator, new DC, but obviously Tom Allen's kind of back in that role. But there's still going to be some kinks, I think, on both sides of the ball. Probably less on defense because you got so many guys back who know the defense, who worked, who played under Coach Allen when he was calling plays. But on offense, you know, obviously new new quarterback, whoever it is, new running back, a bunch of new receivers, you know, um, a, a new number one tight end. Um, so, you know, the O-line, there's probably, you know, it's going to be a lot of the same faces, but some new guys. So it'd be nice if you could maybe have a warm-up game before Illinois, but it's, you know, it's, it's a big, it's a big game and I'm with you. I think they absolutely, this is a must win game. You have to come out and whatever you have to do, I don't care how, how you look, you just got to get a win. Biggest thing is get a W and then you move on to the next two games where you should be favored and should come away with victories. And then, then you're, uh, like I said, you're halfway to bowl eligibility. Absolutely. Talking to Matt Weaver, the football writer for Peaks.com. Matt, I want to chat Big Ten with you for a moment as well. I know Ohio State is going to be at the top, and I think it's clearly uh, that they're going to be at the top, maybe alone by themselves. Uh, What's the rest of the pecking order of the Big Ten conference look like? And uh, this may be tough, but where does Indiana fall in that pecking order? Well, I mean, on the East, I mean, you mentioned Ohio State, and obviously Michigan. Michigan actually dethroned them last year, so I think you know, I think Michigan's got it. They'll probably still be pretty good, you know. After that, I think you look at Penn State, and Michigan State, and then you know, the final three teams are obviously in no particular order, but Maryland, Rutgers, Indiana, and you know, right now, I mean, Indiana's got to prove themselves. I mean, they were they were the worst team, well, definitely in the East, and arguably in the Big Ten last year. Um, so right now, you know, I think in the East, you got to put them down there around, you know, Maryland beat them and so did Rutgers. So I, I think at best, you're probably looking at preseason six or seven. Now I'm not saying that's where they're going to be at the end of the season, but you know, the last time we saw this team play against another team, they got curb stomped at Purdue 44 to seven. So, um, they got a lot to prove. There's a lot of new faces. I think this team is better. I don't think there's any doubt about it after watching them in, in preseason, but this team with this schedule, could be better and still go four and eight. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying it, that because the schedule is really difficult. Um, and, and they could still be better and still have a losing season. But I, on the East, you know, I think it's Ohio State, Michigan, you know, Michigan State, Penn State, you can probably put those two in a hat. And then the final three of, in whatever order you want to put them in, Maryland, Rutgers, Indiana. And then on the West, you know, I'm, I would probably lean towards, uh, Wisconsin first and then Iowa. You know, I think Minnesota may be a team that maybe can, uh, surprises some people. Um, then you got Purdue, Nebraska, um, Northwestern. Um, I think I got them all there. Um, so, you know, that's, you know, I think the East is once again decidedly better than the West. And hopefully this is the last year that we have two divisions because they're just not working. But that's kind of how I see the Big Ten right now. We'll see how it plays out. I think Purdue opens with Penn State. So that'll be an interesting game to see uh, where those two teams are at. But I think Ohio State's a clear favor, even after getting dethroned last year. I just their offense is going to be spectacular if they stay healthy. Do you think Ohio State is national championship level good? Possibly. <clears throat> I think they're always going to be probably. I think they're at least always going to be in the conversation. Now, well, the season will tell us a lot about them, and I think they open, if I'm not mistaken, I think they open with Notre Dame at home, which uh, not this week obviously, but next week, which will be a huge game. Um, but we're going to find out a lot about them, you know, in, in that first week, and, and and about Notre Dame, but. Yeah, I think every year, I mean, with the talent they have, I mean, you know, they lose a couple receivers, and the best receiver on the team might have been, I can't remember, he's got the hyphenated name, Jigbe Smith or something like that, who just went off in the Rose Bowl. The other guys didn't play, and he went off, and you obviously got Stroud back, um, you know, uh, the, the running back. 
Um, you know, they're always going to have talent. I, I think every year they're in the conversation for the national title. Obviously, you got to go out and do it on the field, but that program, along with Alabama, um, Georgia's starting to get there. But those, there's a two or three, four programs in this country that basically every year they're they're the elite of the elite. Matt Weaver, Pigs.com. Matt, uh, Big Ten media deal announced earlier this week, and we've been through all that. But one thing I didn't catch early on that just kind of surfaced in the last few days, according to Sports Business Journal, the Big Ten's deal includes language that goes ahead and spells out how much additional money on a yearly basis the networks would receive if Notre Dame were to join the league. Does Notre Dame eventually jump into the Big Ten Conference? Uh, do you have any thoughts on that? We haven't talked to you since all the conference uh, movement and realignment stuff has begun. Uh, what, what's your take on the Fighting Irish and the likelihood of uh, when they could, if they could, join the Big Ten? Well, I mean, I, I, think to, I think them joining a conference at some point is inevitable. I think they're going to hold out as long as they possibly can because being independent is something that's always been important to Notre Dame. You know, I think I read where when they do their new deal with NBC, they're hoping to get seventy million. Well, you know, what's the Big Ten teams get? I think it's going to be over a hundred million each for each program with this deal, um, this media rights deal that they signed with the different comp. Or the, I'm sorry, the different networks. Um, so let's just say it's a hundred million, just to make the math easy. That's still a thirty million dollar gap. That's a huge gap. But I think where where they're going to feel the pressure is eventually we're going to two super conferences. I mean, that's this is where everything's headed. You know, Nick Saban's talked about this. Other people have talked about this. The Big Ten and the SEC, I believe, when they get their teams, the new teams that they just added, are going to be at 16 teams each. So I think there's going to be two 20-team super conferences at some point down the road. When that happens, I don't know. Is it five years, ten years? I don't know. But I think at that point, Notre Dame's going to have to join somebody. I, I don't I don't see how they can't. They're going to have to pick a conference. Probably, the Big Ten obviously makes the most sense because, you know, where they're located. But I, I I think at some point they're going to have to they're going to their their feet are going to be put to the fire so to speak and they're going to have to join whether they want to or not. All right, good stuff, Matt WeaverPeaks.com. Matt, it's been a while, so I want to tell you you do a terrific job covering IU football, and uh, great to have you with us, and look forward to having you back a lot more now that the season is here. Well, I appreciate that. Thanks so much for you guys for having me. It's always fun to talk to you, and I look forward to our next time. All right, sounds good. Matt Weaver, Peaks.com, the football writer. That's going to wrap things up for this Thursday edition of our program. College football is here. That is exciting, but I tell you what, uh, I'm interested to see Illinois play this weekend, but I'm really interested to see uh, Indiana and Illinois play in week one. I think it's going to be just a huge game for the Hoosiers and there's so much unknown about this team. Back with you Friday at 11 a.m. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.